This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. You are listening to On the Daily, the Rotoviz Daily Fantasy Sports Podcast, powered by Rotoviz Radio. Hey everyone, welcome to the Monday, October 16th, 2017 NBA edition of On the Daily, brought to you by Rotoviz Radio. I'm Matt LaMarca, who you can find on Twitter at Matt LaMarca, and I'm joined tonight by Tony East, who you can find on Twitter at TEastNBA. Tony, how you doing, man? I'm good. I'm uh, recovering from a long weekend with some some cold medicine, so hopefully I don't cough too much today. We'll we'll do our best in uh, post production to help you out in that department. <laughs> anyway, um, I just want to take this moment to mention the road of his NBA pass. Uh, it's officially live at this point, so head on over to the podcast website. That's rotoviz.com/slash NBA podcast. You can get a thirty percent discount to the season long pass over there. They call you the Grill Master. You've seared the thickest porterhouse in the butcher shop. And as you lift that first forkful to your mouth, you savor the moment. To get amazing offers during the Mercedes-Benz Summer Event, like the 2019 C-Class Sedan and GLC SUV, the perfect recipes of driving performance. Plus, you can enjoy six months of Sirius XM All Access included. The Mercedes-Benz Summer Event, now serving limited-time offers on a select lineup of vehicles. Offers end September 3rd. Mercedes-Benz, the best or nothing. We're going to be having a ton of coverage this year. Plays of the Day article seven times a week. GPP plays. We'll have some season-long coverage. I, I just finished putting up a series on different draft strategies that you can employ. Uh, we're going to have a live blog running on, on specific days to highlight the injury news. And then we're going to have a lot of analytically driven pieces from uh, what we're calling the analytics team this year. So tons of stuff. think it's going to be an awesome year of coverage. And I recommend getting in as early as you can. I also ask that you please uh, rate and review the show on iTunes. So this is it. This is the sixth division preview. We're going to look at the Northwest division today. Uh, the regular season is is right around the corner. It starts on Tuesday, and this probably won't get up until Monday. So if you're listening, NBA is basically here. We're let's, so close. We're so close. We made it. <laughs> All right, let's dive in with the first team. Portland Trailblazers, they are coached by Terry Stotts. This is his sixth year with the squad. They were 41-41 and 41 last year, 11th in league in offensive efficiency, 21st in defensive efficiency, and tied for 13th in pace. Vegas has them pegged this year, basically right as how they finished last season, 40, uh, 40 and a half wins, and they are plus 1,400 to win the division, plus 10,000 to win the West, and plus 20,000 to win the title. As far as additions, they didn't really add too much, just two draft picks, Zach Collins and Caleb Swanigan. And departures, they lost Alan Crabb, Festus Azili, who never really played for them anyway, and Tim Quarterman. So let's start by discussing the backcourt. That's sort of the main DFS focus on this team most nights. How are you planning on approaching them this season? Well, first of all, I'd like to start and say Portland is the is fun as hell to watch. Uh they're like the the if you watch one NBA game a week, pick Portland. You know they're fun on offense and they suck on defense, and that's kind of a good way to approach their backcourt. If you're in a roto league and you're looking for your 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 defense guys, uh, avoid Lillard and McCollum. But on your DFS nights, uh, I actually wrote about this. I can start for example uh, on Friday. The Portland plays in Indiana, and last year against the Pacers, Damian Lillard had 60 points in their two games and was a plus 25. Uh, it's pretty much just matchup dependent for them, but they're both such good players, McCollum and Lillard, that you know whoever their matchup is, they're still going to score well on. They're both so dominant on offense. McCollum's one of the best shooters in the NBA, but 
approaching the backcourt is just matchup dependent because one of them is going to go off every night. Right, and that's the thing is that these guys are pretty negatively correlated. So you you very rarely, I would say, want to play them in the same lineup. Right. Lillard, uh, one thing that I did notice, he really gets up. It seems like when he plays against the really good teams. Last year, when he was facing uh, teams with a 75% win percentage or better, he was at 46.5 fantasy points, everybody else 41.5. So pretty nice little spike in production. Uh, that's obviously a really high win percentage threshold, so it's really only looking at matchups against like the Warriors, the Cavs, uh, maybe the Clippers at certain points last year. But uh, you definitely want to take advantage of Lillard, I think, against the good teams. For some reason or another, he definitely gets up in those matchups. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. He's like a really prideful guy, and he he loves playing for Portland, so that makes sense to me. I feel like he always feels like he deserves more respect since he's never been on an all-star team. So I don't know, all-NBA team, so that makes sense to me. Right. And then McCollum's sort of the opposite because, as we mentioned, the correlation play. So against bad teams, he, he averages pretty significantly more fantasy points. So just something to keep in mind as the season goes on. It's hard because they built. It's rare that they both have a great game too. So it, it that's why I say it's matchup dependent because like they play the Pacers, who I talk about the most on Friday, and the the Pacers have a terrible defensive point guard and okay defensive shooting guard. So it's like you roll with Lillard that game, but not McCollum. But in the opposite scenario, you'd do the opposite, obviously. Right. All right. Let's talk about uh, Yusuf Nurkic. He was a big late season addition for the Blazers last season, sort of helped them uh, make their last push into the playoffs. What do you sort of expect out of him this season? Yeah, he's now officially their third best player, which is a huge jump from where he was in Denver. So I kind of do expect him to be super dominant. They don't really have another guy uh, like him who can set a screen or roll to the basket or even kind of protect the rim. So I think he's going to play a lot of minutes for them just because their other centers are, like you said earlier, Zach Collins, who they drafted, who has never started a game. Have you seen that stat before? He hasn't started a game since like high school or something. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty crazy. Crazy. Yeah. So Nurkic is going to get all the minutes he can handle, especially in a contract year. He's going to be working his butt off for that money in the off season. And, uh, you know, now that he's finally in a role where he can start every night and not be overshadowed by Jokic, I think he's going to, uh, you know, really shine this year, especially given that the defense can never focus on him with Lillard and McCollum on his team. Right. And at times they ran the offense through him in Portland last year, which was cool to see. He would kind of operate at like, you know, the elbow or, or whatever and, and distribute a little bit to Lillard McCollum. He averaged, you know, a pretty decent number of assists once joining Portland. So it's kind of fun. I like when big men get to run the offense a little bit. He did average 37.5 DK points as a member of the Blazers. So he's going to have an opportunity wow. to make a big role. Yeah, he had some big games. I, I do have some questions about how he's going to hold up long term in that role. You know, he's never been a guy who's really been able to play 30 plus minutes on a consistent basis. But that's not really a concern for the beginning of the season. It might be a concern for like season long leagues. I've, I've definitely moved him down my board just a little bit for that reason. But uh, yeah, early in the season, I have no problems targeting him. I think he's going to be a strong play. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I never knew he was that high in DK. Uh, yeah, especially rebounding too, because I still don't actually know who's going to be starting at the power forward for them, if it'll be Vonley or Aminu. But either way, neither of those guys are too good on the glass, so it's going to be really him grabbing the rebounds. You have an X factor for this team? Huh. Um like I just said, they don't really know who's starting at the four, but Aminu is far and away their best defender. So in, in real basketball, <laughs> Aminu's their X factor to success. The more he plays, you know, the better their defense will be. But DFS wise, X factor is probably McCollum. Just like, you know, they, he kind of is is the most important guy for them because with Lillard, you know, you're getting 25 points in awful defense, and you know he'll <laughs> right. probably be a slightly positive player. But McCollum can kind of dial it in on D and. His shooting's a little more inconsistent, so, you know, if he's on an on-night, Portland's hard to beat. Yeah, so the power forward position, I do think I agree with you there, is like sort of the the one that's up in, in the biggest question marks right now. I'm going to throw Caleb Swanigan's name in there a little bit. Love Swanigan. Over 15 rebounds per 36 minutes so far in the preseason. He was a rebounding machine in college. If he can get the opportunity, I think he's going to be a big factor on the glass. And he's shown some three-point range. I don't think he's necessarily at the point where you want him shooting a ton of threes in the NBA. 
but he has shown at least some capability to knock it down. So he, from a fantasy perspective, might be the most intriguing guy if he can carve out a role this season. Yeah, he was going to be part of my hot take too because he was one of those guys in college that had the statistical projections that made him look like he was going to be an absolute beast in the NBA. And I think by the end of the year, he could really carve out a 20-minute-a-game role. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I like that call a lot. So my bold prediction for this team, and it may not even be that bold, but I'm saying this is a sub-500 basketball team this season. They don't make the playoffs, and that in the offseason, they think long and hard about the long-term pairing of Lillard and McCollum. So it's funny you say that because I've thought about that a long time too. Like what kick-started this Warriors dynasty? The very first move was that Monte Ellis and, and Curry didn't work, and they traded away Ellis, right? So. Right. Thinking something like that could be could be a huge deal for them, and I also think that they could be under 500. Which, you know, they're a good team, but it's crazy looking down. They could literally finish last in this division. Yeah, this is a loaded division. I'm with you yeah, there. It's crazy. And the Western Conference in general has, I think, you know, 12 teams maybe that you can make legitimate playoff cases for. Yeah, so it's impossible. It's it's going to be a, a tough a tough ride to make it if you're not above 500. Yeah. Uh, I don't think no no chance the last team's even under like 44. Yeah, I would agree with that. All right, let's move on to the guys who are the favorites in the division right now, the Oklahoma City Thunder. They are coached by Billy Donovan, third year with the team. Last year they won 47 games. They were 17th in offensive efficiency, 10th in defensive efficiency, and eighth in pace. Uh, right now Vegas has them pegged at 52 and a half wins. They're minus 150 to win the division. Uh, plus 750 to win the West, which is tied for the second best odds with the Spurs, and then plus 1200 to win the title, which is behind only uh, Cleveland, Boston, and obviously Golden State. They added Paul George and Carmelo Anthony. Those are the two big additions. They also brought in Raymond Felton and Patrick Patterson. And then departures, they lost uh, Victor Oladipo, Taj Gibson, Enos Cantor, Doug McDermott, and DeMontis Sabonis. So obviously Russell Westbrook last season was just a monster. Basically playing him in DFS every night he was on the slate was the correct decision. There has to be some step back for him this year with their new additions, right? <laughs> well, it's weird. Like shouldn't shouldn't assists be easier? But uh yeah, absolutely a step back. You know, if he's playing more team-oriented basketball, then there's a, definitely a step back just in that it's time for him to, you know, not get the rebounds and focus on winning basketball, which is him running up the court and distributing more to George and Anthony and all these new guys that they have. And now that Alex Abrinas is going to play more, he's going to be hitting more shooters and Patrick Patterson's a really good shooter, stuff like that. So I still think he's going to be uh, one of the one of the best plays every night, just in a different way. He could be a good assists guy in Roto now, and he's still going to be a 25-point scorer. Yeah, definitely. I mean, even when he was playing with Kevin Durant, who's, you know, maybe the second best player in the league, you know, he still found a way to get off close to 20 shots a night. So I don't think bringing in Paul George and Carmelo Anthony is going to slow him down too much. But I do think that, you know, he has taken a bunch of criticism for kind of the style of basketball that he played last year. So I think for sure he has to take a step back. I mean, even if they didn't bring in new guys, he, he it would be virtually impossible for him to hit those same thresholds last year. Yeah. And he smashed the record for usage rate in the season at 41.65. And he also posted the third highest all-time assist rate. So he was, you know, commanding the ball just at a astronomical rate between those two statistics. And, you know, it's, it's just not the right way to play basketball. Like every guy on that team last year besides him had a down season. And I think there's obviously got to be some correlation between the two things. There totally is. And another thing, too, is like the triple-double thing. He got all those rebounds and whatever about the stat padding. That's not what this is about. But it's like he was probably the second-best rebounder on that team behind Steven Adams last year, right? Like Ennis Cancer is a pretty terrible rebounder. Taj Gibson's not the best. And Sabonis isn't the best. And Oladipo and McDermott are not very good. But now he's got Paul George, who's an astounding rebounder for his position. He still has Adams. Patrick Patterson's a pretty good rebounder. And Melo's like 6'9". He's not good, but he's 6'9". So just by default, he won't even have to go for those. And even if he does, he'll still get less just by having good rebounders on his team now. Yeah, you would think the rebound number, more than more than any of the other ones, falls down pretty drastically. Yeah, yeah, that's the biggest one. 
All right, let's talk about Paul George. You mentioned his rebounding ability. I think that he's kind of going to be, you know, not a facsimile to Draymond Green because that's a a pretty blasphemous comparison, but I think he's going to kind of need to assume that role as, you know, doing whatever the team needs that night in order for this situation to kind of work in uh, OKC. I totally agree. I think uh, he's like the second best player on this team in literally everything, right? Like the second best scorer, the second best dribbler, the second best rebounder, the second best defender. It's so weird like that he's literally the second best to everything, and that's why he's going to be that jack-of-all-trades kind of guy. I think every time Westbrook's out, Paul George is going to be in because of that exact same reason. He's a pretty good shot creator, especially coming off of screens. I watched him a lot last year with Indiana. They ran a lot of double screens for him. But anyway, uh, yeah, a lot of screens for him. He can dish to the shooters that Oklahoma City has. And, you know, he's going to be able to get his bucket still because he's Paul freaking George. So, you <laughs> right. know, he's still he's still going to be scoring and, and creating. Uh, I, it's going to be weird because if he is that second best defender on the team and he's given a lot of energy on the end of the floor and he doesn't have to try on offense at all because of Russ and Mello, maybe his scoring takes a dip. So, it's going to be hard to see because I don't know between him and Melo who kind of assumes the third fiddle role what to truly expect from him. I kind of think what's what you said where George has decided on a night-to-night basis. So I don't I don't think I expect too much offense from him, but more like being really impactful. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I think he, he averaged 24 points a game last year. I think that goes down certainly under 20. It might even get down like below 18. I really think it's possible he's going to, I think, be like a perimeter shooter on the offensive end, a little bit of a secondary ball handler type guy, but not because he can't, but just because there's only so many shots to go around and so much ball handling to go around. If not, then Westbrook has to really sacrifice his game. So I I think Paul is going to be increased impact on the defensive end, decreased impact on the offensive end if I had to make a stand on it. I would agree. So, on the other hand, I think this system is kind of going to benefit Carmelo Anthony perfectly. Yeah. Uh, his his skills are scoring, right? That's it. So, uh, in New York, it's like, okay, my point guards are guys you've literally never even heard of before. And now I'm playing with Russell Westbrook and Paul George. And I'm going to be wide open, like 30% of my shots. And I was looking last year and like under – well, I think under 10% of Melo's shots were wide open. Like Russell Westbrook had more wide open shots than Melo last year. Right. That's just – that's crazy. So now Melo's going to have an absurd amount of wide open shots, and he shot like f- above forty five percent on wide open catch and shoots last year. Like he's going to be unbelievable in that situation. And I just said that like Russ is out, Paul George has to be in, but Melo can totally take the ISO load of scoring for two or three minutes if they're both out. You know, so I I think he's just going to be awesome on offense in this new system. Uh, he's still going to suck on defense, but. If he can score because that's all he'll have to do, then he'll make up for it just fine. Right. I mean, everybody wants to compare this situation to like Olympic Carmelo Anthony where, you know, he's the perfect teammate and he just shoots when he's open and and kills it. And, you know, obviously he's not going to have the same exact teammates that he would have if he was on the Olympic team, but it's going to be similar. And, And he should get a lot of open catch and shoots. Like you said, I think he was still above 90th percentile in terms of catch and shoot last year per synergy so i think it's going to be an awesome fit for him um my bold prediction for this team is actually going to be that he leads the leads the team in points Ooh, i'm out on that one sorry you <laughs> yeah can, you, you can have it it's a bold prediction for sure but i think he could get to maybe like 25 a game and then if, if russell focuses more on on being a distributor i think it could happen yeah, Russ. Uh, Russ outscored KD on this team, so uh, I'm still picking Russ. I'm still picking <laughs> that's Russ. That's where the that's where the smart money is. Um, <laughs> all right, you have a uh, an X factor here. Uh, is 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 the bench too broad? No, nah, that's fine. Uh, I mean, we just talked about Melo and PG and Russ, and you know, you make the trades they made to get Paul George and Melo every time, but they did two for one trades, right? So now. Roberson's probably their fifth starter, and then Patrick Patterson's their first guy off the bench, and then it's just nobody. Like Raymond Felton's okay, I guess, and like Alex Abrinas is okay, I guess, but they just have like nothing coming off the bench. Like Jeremy Grant, I can't even remember guys' names. I'm thinking really hard, and I can't. <laughs> like it's gonna be it's gonna be tough either a in case of an injury or b just like I know they sucked when Russ was out last year, so they'll have to stagger big time. And how they handle that is my X factor, just because. Those guys are not super talented. Yeah, we'll see what Billy Donovan can do because 
I don't remember if he staggered Durant and Russell when they played together. I know that um, Scott Brooks never did, and like it was, it drove basketball. That's why he got fired. Absolutely insane. So, yeah, it's like it's like almost why Scott Brooks got fired, and Donovan was okay at it, but not good enough apparently. My big X factor here is is Andre Roberson. So at this point, we kind of know what he is. I don't see him taking a huge step forward in terms of being a three-point shooter, but if he could become even average in that and teams have to even think about him on the defensive end, the ceiling for this team, I think, becomes much, much higher. Yeah, almost 60 wins um, if he can shoot, but you've seen on the preseason, you saw that video of Chris Paul literally like waving at him right before he shoots. Yeah, he's he's reached literally like peak Tony Allen level of I don't care how open you are yeah it's it's really he airballed a free throw the other night like it's really bad <laughs> it's really bad and they need that that like a, if it stays that bad I, I wouldn't be surprised if they switch over to Patrick Patterson starting instead right. and just play like a hyper big lineup that would be interesting yeah. too yeah well like it, it's not like ridiculous like Brad Stevens does that like you're a wing or a point guard like and that's kind of what this will be like: point guard Russ, and then wing wing with Paul George Mello, and then two bigs. Like it's right. not ridiculous, for sure. Um, do you have a hot take for this team? Um, man, they're kind of weird because they've been talked about so much recently that there's been a lot of takes for them. Uh, a lot of people say I, this isn't super hot, but I guess I think they're clearly number four in the West. Like I still think there's no way they're better than San Antonio. That I think that's a pretty hot take. Okay, yeah. Uh, San Antonio is going to win 58-plus because they're the Spurs. And the Rockets are just better than this team because they have two players who are better than the second-best player on the on the Thunder. So, yeah, I think they're pretty clearly fourth in the West, actually. I think they're four wins below number three in the West when this shakes out. All right. I mean, I love Greg Popovich. I worship the ground that dude walks on. <laughs> I I have some slight concerns about that team, but we'll see how that shakes out. Man, it's they won they won fifty in the lockout year. Like they're gonna win an absurd <laughs> amount. Like they're gonna win fifty plus in an absurd amount of of games, even without Leonard. Like somehow Greg Popovich is gonna make Rudy Gay like amazing, and they're just they're just gonna be good. No, I know it does. If you could just be rich, if you just bet the over on the Spurs every single year, because <laughs> every year it's like, oh, this might be the year they take the step back. And then they don't like people said the same thing about them last year. And they had honestly a, a really good historical season. It was just they're that not, they were overshadowed by the Warriors. They're not a, like a sexy pick ever, but they're always good. Easy parking with easy trip now available at Dundrum Town Center. So you can now use your toll tags to park in our car parks. Simply register at easytrip.ie forward slash parking. Easy parking with Easy Trip. Dundrum, where more happens. Hey, sports fans, football season's here, and it's time to get in on the action with MyBookie. MyBookie is the industry leading sports betting website that offers real Vegas odds on football, baseball, and all your favorite sporting events. You can take a side, the total, or even fantasy points props. MyBookie lets you bet online and win big. Did the game already kick off? Don't sweat it. MyBookie has in-game live betting on every major league and event, even esports. There's no better time to join MyBookie than today. Go to MyBookie to open an account and start winning. Use promo code CHAMPION when you register for your account and get a 100% sign-up bonus up to $1,000 on your first deposit. Bet today. Visit MyBookie's website or call 844-866-2387. That's 844-866-2387. Check them out today and use promo code CHAMPION for a 100% bonus. Terms and conditions apply for entertainment purposes only. Void where prohibited. Okay, let's move on to the Minnesota Timberwolves. I don't know if you're going to agree with me on this, but there's no team that I'm selling harder this season than the Minnesota Timberwolves. Dude, I'm selling the Timberwolves too. Let's go. So hard. Let's go. So they're coached by Tom Thibodeau, second year with the team, brought him in to fix the defense and the defense was absolutely atrocious last year. <laughs> they were 31 and 51. They were 10th in the league in offense, but tied for 26th in defensive efficiency, tied for 22nd in pace. Uh, Vegas has them projected to take a huge jump this year, 46 and a half wins. They're plus 250 to win the division, 
plus 1,600 to win the West, and plus 2,800 to win the title. The Vegas has them the fifth best odds to win the Western Conference and the seventh best odds to win the title. So a lot of expectations for this team. Part of the reason why they brought in Jimmy Butler, they brought in Jeff Teague, they brought in Taj Gibson, Jamal Crawford, and they really didn't lose a ton. They lost Zach Levine and Ricky Rubio out of their starting lineup. They lost Chris Dunn, Brandon Rush, Omri Caspi, Jordan Hill, and Adrian Payne. So let's talk, I guess, why we're both so down on this team, I guess, before we get into anything else. Yeah, well, I, I love that I when I was down on them and I hear Zach Lowe say, oh, I'm kind of still down on the Wolves. Um because he's the smartest NBA guy there is, but yeah, for sure they're they're just so young still, and like their bench is going to be awful. Like it's Jamal Crawford, thirty eight year old chucking up whatever shots off your bench, your way to create offense. <laughs> like that's not going to work. I get that Jimmy Butler's like a ten win player, but they won thirty one games last year. Like there's still so many question marks for me. Yeah, I really just hate the spacing of this team when their starters are in. Yeah, um, Nick uh, Scaria who's a smart basketball guy. He's at Nick Scaria on Twitter. He created this space rating tool. And obviously the Warriors are the best. Their their space lineup is basically 100%. This Wolves team with their starting lineup is going to be 13.3%. You know, Butler, he's taken step forward, but he can't shoot really. Wiggins is even worse. And they're going to play a traditional power forward, it seems like most of the time, with either Taj Gibson or Gorgie Jang. So... I just think the spacing on this team is going to be absolutely hard. No, I agree. And, you know, there's like ways to score without shooting. Like they kind of did it last year, but they're counting a lot on Towns, which is funny because it's your first cliff note. We can kind of make this a transition. But like Towns is their only guy spacing the floor. Like Teague's – like they're all just okay, right? So there's so much variability. Like if they're hitting their threes one night, they they just win. But if they're even if they're just like a normal team, they're, they're going to be in a tough situation every night. Yeah, and – if this team does live up to the hype, for me, it's because Towns went just absolute ballistic this season. Which is not ridiculous to think at all. Like, that's very possible. Very possible. Post-All-Star break last year, he was maybe the best player in the league. 28.4 points per game, 13.4 rebounds, and he had basically 60-44-84 shooting splits. I did not know that. So, super efficient from everywhere, and just was just was amazing. So... I think he's going to have to be a huge piece for this offense to work, obviously. But the question is, I think his role doesn't grow with all the guys that they brought in, which is another reason why I'm down on this team a little bit. Well, I'll, like he's better than Jimmy Butler, right? You think that too? A hundred percent. But that, but but the Jimmy Butler doesn't think that, and the Timberwolves don't think that. So that's that's not going to help him at all. But I think he's better than Jimmy Butler. Yeah, I mean, I think Jimmy Butler is a great player. Uh, I don't want him to be the best player on my team, which is why this thing fits. But th- my my thing is I, I'm so down on Andrew Wiggins. Like, I, I think Andrew Wiggins is just a worse version of Jimmy Butler. It's funny because we're doing a, a fantasy podcast and Wiggins is a pretty good fantasy guy and a terrible impact guy. But uh, I'm pretty down on Wiggins, too. It's like that's that's going to be a bad contract. But uh I also don't see the the fit with Wiggins and Butler. They're both ball dominant non shooters, which is hard to to gel. And obviously, Butler's defense makes the the defensive fit fine, but on offense, it's going to be weird because neither of them are too super good in spot ups either. Right, and you know, talking from a fantasy perspective, Wiggins only gave you scoring last year. He's terrible in in virtually every other category. So if that dips at all. He's going to be, you know, a late round type of asset this year. And he's going in the top 50, 60 picks of most most drafts, which is ridiculous to me. Oh, yeah. What's he, maybe 20 points a game as a third option now? Right. And nothing else? Yeah. And no peripheral stats. Yeah. And another thing that I'm I'm not loving about this team, and I understand why they did it at the time, but I really think this offense would look a lot better with Ricky Rubio instead, instead of Jeff Teague <laughs> at point guard. I agree, and as in general, I think he'd fit better because of defense. But I like Teague a lot because he's from Indianapolis, and I love Indianapolis players in the NBA. But uh, yeah, he's going to be weird because he's just like okay at everything. Basically, he's like an okay shooter, an okay passer, an okay dribbler, and they need him to be really good at something every night. And I don't know what that's going to be for them. Right, and 
he is a guy just like Wiggins and just like Butler and just like Towns. He needs the basketball. You know, he had yeah. a, a 22.1 usage rate last season, and that was honestly lower than it had been in, in Atlanta. So uh, this is a guy, again, to me, that I just don't see the fit. Like, I don't know who's going to be the distributor on this team, who's going to be the, the go-to guy in parentheses. Like, I think there are a lot of questions here. Yeah, he, he'd be my pick for X Factor, which is a which is another good transition you're we're just, killing you're right killing now. Killing the segues, dude. I, I know. <laughs> uh just because, like I said, he he's gonna have to have one of those focuses of, okay, am I scoring like like we just talked about with Paul George, like am I scoring tonight? Am I dishing tonight? Am I locking in on the other point guard tonight? Am I dribbling over a pick and roll and making the defense move tonight? Like he's he's gotta focus on something and be good at it every night because if not, they're gonna have a lot of trouble like not creating offense necessarily, but like getting into a set or something like that. Yeah, my X factor here is Nemanja Bjelica at power The shoot forward. machine. <laughs> they need him for spacing purposes. You know, him over Taj Gibson, I think, would do wonders for this offense. Uh, and I think we could see that happen eventually. Although Tibbs is such a such a Taj Gibson guy. Yeah. Um, but he shot 38.4% from three as a rookie. He took a step back last year, but I think the, the best version of this offense would be him, you know, providing some spacing for these other guys to go to work a little bit. Yeah, that makes sense to me. The only problem I have with that is, uh, if your second unit is, is, is Tyus Jones and Shabazz Muhammad. going to be a lot of Shabazz ISO. Yeah. Too much Shabazz ISO, which... Uh, good fantasy, uh, pretty awful, pretty awful NBA impact. So I, I don't really know how they can not have him in that second unit, especially because Crawford kind of needs the spacing more than anyone on the starting lineup would. So my hot take for this team, and I think we're we're going to be basically in the same boat here, but under 41 wins, no playoffs. I'm not going under 41, but I think they're going to be a seven or eight seed, not close to that five that. Vegas seems, to, or everyone really seems to have him at. I put him in as eighth in my own uh, projection. So, well, I think it's going to be close between this team and the next team, which is the Jazz. So, I agree. As low as I am on the Timberwolves, that's how high I am on the Jazz. I love the Jazz this year. Um, Quinn Snyder, fourth year with the team, they were third in defense last year, which is obviously where they make their bread and butter. 12th in offense in uh, offensive efficiency, which I think would surprise a lot of people to find out. And they obviously played at the slowest pace in the league. Vegas projecting a pretty big step back, 38.5 wins. They are, I think, the longest odds to win this division at plus 2,000. They're plus 10,000 to win the West and plus 20,000 to win the title. So they lost Gordon Hayward. That was sort of the big reason why people are down on this team. They also lost George Hill, Boris Diaw, Trey Lyles, Shelvin Mack, and Jeff Withy. They brought in Ricky Rubio from Minnesota, which I love that move. They drafted Donovan Mitchell from Louisville. Uh, they brought in Jonas Jarebko, Tony Bradley, Epke Udo, and Joel Ballumboy. So I guess the big question here is, can this offense remain competent without Gordon Hayward this season? Yeah, <laughs> it's so challenging to truly project. Uh, I think so. I mean, like Rudy Gobert led the league in true shooting percentage last year. Like, obviously Hayward had a big part to do with that, but like that dude can score. Like he can, he throws down dunks, he can hit his free throws. He's all right in the mid range, and he's just so impactful. And Rubio's going to find ways for guys to score. And, like, Rodney Hood's pretty good on offense. Like, I think they'll be okay enough that that their defense can carry them to victory, personally. But it's challenging because Hayward was so much of what, well, <laughs> almost all of what they did. Yeah, I honestly might even be a little bit higher on the offense. I think that they can, they'll probably be below average, but I don't think they're going to plummet in terms of offensive efficiency. And like you said, their defense is so good. That's going to keep them in games. Well, that like, like okay, you you have a good defense, so you get a stop, and now you're in transition. Like your offense doesn't matter, right? Exactly. And for what it's worth, Gobert has been absolutely dominant in the preseason. So yeah, sixteen point three points per game in twenty five minutes a night. Um, his usage is up to twenty two percent in those games after being roughly sixteen or seventeen last season. So I think he can definitely assume some of the load. And then Rodney Hood, I think, is posed. He's one of my favorite breakout guys this year. 
So yeah, he's got to be he's got to be salivating at that Gary Harris contract. Oh yeah, he he <laughs> last season had a usage rate of twenty eight point six with Hayward off the court, and I think that he can certainly assume some of that offensive production. So uh, I'm high on Hood, and the real reason that why I love this team is Ricky Rubio. So I think this is finally the year where Ricky Rubio becomes a borderline star. He's already there, right? Like, how do people not like Ricky Rubio? What What does he have to do? I, he, he doesn't score enough for people. But <sighs> post-All-Star break last year, 16.0 points per game, 35% three-point shooting to go with 10.5 assists and almost five rebounds. And that was playing in Minnesota with some ball-dominant guys. You know, I think he's going to get a nice chance to run the show here a little bit more in Utah. I think he's going to love playing off the pick with Rudy Gobert, I think this guy is going to have just a monster season. I love Ricky Rubio. Ricky Rubio is one of those guys that, like, you don't get it because all his plus-minus stats and stuff like that are just amazing. But his, like, box score stats aren't good, so you wonder where the impact comes from. And I heard, I forget what podcast talking about it, but it's like, it's the things that don't happen, not the things that do happen like the pass that doesn't happen or the shot that doesn't happen because his defense is so good or something like that. And that's just where he just like, is he so good? You're so right. Like, I hope he can get turn it into counting stats this year because he's just so good. Yeah. He's one of those guys that we kind of talked about on the previous podcast where his value, you know, he's such a better real life player than he is in fantasy. And yeah. he still can be an awesome fantasy asset at times. So I'm all in on Rubio this season. It's going to be weird, like, I don't know how good is this, like, they're going to be kind of a, a, a weirdly an ISO team on offense, so I don't know how good his assist numbers will really be, but his passing is still important, so, like, I still think he's going to be a terrible fantasy player, but an awesome player. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> I kind of also like Donovan Mitchell as, like, a deep, deep, deep sleeper rookie of the year candidate. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're getting, like, well over plus 1,000 with him right now. And I think he's going to have a, a big chance to, you know, sort of anchor bench units. And, you know, if, if things don't work out with Rodney Hood, you know, we could see him, I think, assume a bigger role just in the in the offense in general. Yeah, I'm going to say this guy's name wrong, but I'll, I'll just say it, how it looks. Raul Neto is currently their backup point guard. And, like, he's actually fine. He's an okay player. But there's going to be a point where every fan in the Jazz organ and every person in the Jazz organization says, all right, let's play Mitchell at the backup one now instead because Exum's hurt. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, so that's totally his in his future plans, I think. Yeah. So, so he's going to get in that guard rotation pretty quick. So uh, I really I really do like him as that, like you just said, that rookie of the year sleeper too. And he's looked awesome. And his Twitter is Spider Mitchell, which is pretty cool. So ah. Uh, I really like Donovan Mitchell. I think he can do well. He can shoot it a little. He's really impactful on defense. He's really fast. He's got a crazy vert. I actually would have picked him at number nine in the draft. Crazy. My board had him at nine. But, yeah, I like him a lot. Over which guys? Would you have taken him over uh, Tilakina? Yeah, I had him over French Frank and uh, Monk. Okay. And and Lori. I think those were the three he jumped. Okay. I'm I'm totally fine with all of those. Yeah. All right, so let's talk X-Factors here. I had a really tough time whittling it down because I think there are two big X-Factors on this team. One of yours has to be uh, Derek Favors, correct? Derek Favors, for sure. Yeah, Derek pa- Derek Favors plays 75 games, they make the playoffs. Derek Favors plays under 60 games, they don't. Like, that's – he was mine. So he, he's so good when he plays, he's just hurt all the damn time. Right, and it's a question of how many minutes can they play him to – because I think pretty clearly, you know, they want to give the majority of the center minutes now to, to Gobert. But yeah, if oh, yeah. he can come off the bench and play 20 minutes a night and play, you know, 70 games, like you said, I think he can be super impactful in that role. Yeah, he's he's awesome. He can score. There was a time when they were like, should we trade Gobert and, like, set favors as the future at center? Thank God that didn't happen. But Right. You know, he's awesome. He can play D. He can score. He's super athletic. And he's like – not a shooter at all, and he can still score, which shows how good he actually is at scoring. Like That's hard to do now. So in addition to favors, I think that a big piece of this team is going to be how Joe Ingles handles playing more minutes in a bigger role. Cause, Man, I can't believe we even said his name yet. Yeah, there were times last year where he was like one of their best players. Like when, when Hayward was out, he would sort of run the show, and he's one of those guys that does everything seemingly pretty well. 
You know, he shot, he was among the league leaders in three point uh, percentage. I don't know if he finished there at, at the end of the season, but he shot 44% from three. It'll be interesting to see if he can, you know, sort of increase his volume this season and keep his percentage really high. He's been a good passer. He can, you know, get steals. He had 1.2 steals and only 24 minutes a game. So I'm really intrigued to see how he handles a bigger role this season because he was one of those guys that was really good in limited minutes. So we'll see if it can translate. Yeah, I'm with you on that. If his three-point shooting dips, they might have a little trouble with space on the on the offensive end. But I think he can keep it up. He's always gotten better every year of his career, and he's just one of those uh, fundamental white guys. I hate using those buzzwords, but <laughs> that's, just, that's just who he is, right? <laughs> yeah, if he's Australian, I don't know if that makes him white. To me, there's a difference. So Come on. No one looks at Matthew Delvadova and doesn't say he's white. Yeah, right. You're right. Delvadova, that's true. <laughs> All right, so uh, I've been hyping this team up. So my bold prediction is that this is still a playoff team, and I think they're honestly closer to the sixth seed than they are to like the eighth seed. My hot takes—they're a lock for the over, so kind of similar to you. But man, are they going to be close in that eight-nine slot? Like they're fighting it. Like I think I like Memphis a lot more than a lot of people do, and I think them, Memphis, Mini, and the Clippers are just going to be like clawing each other for the last two weeks of the season for that last spot. That's interesting because I'm I'm higher on Memphis. I just did the podcast with uh, Vince where we went over the Memphis division, and he's a Memphis guy, and he's extremely low on the team. But I'm high on them too. So it, it's going to be yeah, so fun in the West. I know we're not talking about Memphis, but I want to just blur it in. Like they have two top twenty-five players. Like they're going to make the playoffs. That's yeah. just it. That's I, it. I totally agree with you. <laughs> All right. We can move on, though. <laughs> All right, so let's let's get to the last team. That's the Denver Nuggets. I guess this is going to be another key team in in playoff seeding because I think they're right in that eight seed battle as well. Maybe you like them even more than that, but that's kind of where I have them. Um, they're coached by Mike Malone, his third year with the team. They won 40 games last year. And how you were talking about earlier when you were talking about uh, Portland, that's how I feel about Denver. This is the team, if you're only going to watch one game a week, watch them. Fifth in the league in offense at 110 points per 100 possessions, which is awesome. And then they gave back 110.5 <laughs> to be second to last in the league. And they also played at the seventh fastest pace. So uh, definitely uh, an up and down, just scoring fest team. Uh, the over-under this year is set at 43.5 wins. And they are plus 550 to win the division, plus 660 to win the West, and plus 15,000 to win the title. Uh, big additions, Paul Millsap. Uh, they also brought in Trey Lyles from Utah, and they lost Danilo Gallinari. So let's talk about this team. Nikola Jokic really blossomed into a star last year. Do you think that he can do it on a more consistent basis this year? Yeah, that dude's legit. Uh, he, he, he's got to stop failing so he can stay on the court because... He's one of the most exciting guys to watch. He's got court vision that you can't teach. He just like knows where all the passes are and like he, like they're a good job of running basketball how I like in the post where it's not like you're throwing in for a post up, you're throwing in to like initiate your offense out of the post and Jokic is just the best guy for that. He's a great scorer. He can get to the rim, he can pass, he can shoot a little bit and no like just watch this guy. You're going to love him. He's awesome. And I totally think he can become a consistent superstar because I'm an analytics dork. Yeah, I love him too. I do wonder if he's perhaps a touch overhyped. Oh, no, 100% overhyped, but okay. he's still amazing. Because I think there are legitimately people who put him in the same conversation as like Carl Anthony Towns. And to me, that's blasphemous at this point. But No, he, he's like he's like tier two's best center. Okay, I'm fair with that. I'm fair with that. And I think he's going to you know, have triple doubles, you know, at least five triple doubles this year. Like his ceiling is going to be huge on any given night, but I think he also might have a lower than average floor given what. He yeah. Does. So, you know, I, I put him in tier two for, for, for impact and play, but for fun, he's number one. <laughs> and it's not even close. Like he's there like is second... nothing funner than rostering Jokic in DFS. <laughs> well you just don't know you could be getting like 60 out of him yeah so he, he's fun yeah he's fun and he's entertaining and even if he doesn't have a good dfs game he's fun to watch because you can do these crazy behind the back passes and spin moves and stuff do you think bringing paul Millsap into the team helps him hurts him or is indifferent 
that well Paul Millsap's there for defense almost entirely to me. They're kind of duplicative, oddly. Like Yeah, both, both great ha- passers. Yeah, both great passers and creators in like that fifteen foot and in range. Which oh man, I don't it's hard to say like how this affects Jokic because in the preseason games the offense looked the same. It's just like instead of throwing it to whoever the hell weird Kenneth Fareed play, it's Paul Millsap's beautiful taking a guy off the dribble, making a sweet spin move pass or something, you know, like he's just like, he's got that chess feel to him where he's two steps ahead of the defense. He's just like 32 and can't like beat guys anymore. But I don't, I think he brings a lot like spacing, passing. He can set a solid screen. It's just going to be interesting how they use him and Jokic since they're so duplicative together. If it ends up stalling anything or if it makes it even easier for the rest of the guys to score. Yeah, I'm with you. How they click and if it, if it looks like they've been playing together for years and they're just throwing, like, backdoor cuts and, you know, I think that their ceiling is obviously super high. But if it's one of those things where they're each kind of holding the ball a little bit, I think it certainly lowers the ceiling of the team. So we'll see. Uh, I think certainly anytime you can bring in Paul Millsap to your team, you do it. So anybody else on this team that you're sort of keeping your eye on? Uh, Trey Lyles and Gary Harris because they're from Indianapolis. But, okay, so this is going to be a consistent theme for you on the pod this year. Yeah, love okay. indie players. I, I I can't make that very much more clear. But uh, yeah, I really like Gary Harris just actually as a player. Not the best fantasy guy, more of an impact guy. Great, great shooter, over 40% last year, I believe. I might be wrong, but he was close. Uh, he's an awesome shooter. He's an awesome defender. He's an awesome cutter. He's just like a, an intriguing player. I am interested in Jamal Murray. I was super high on him in the draft. I'm also interested in Moody because I was high on him in the draft. If he can cut down the turnovers, he could actually you know, be a really impactful player. So truly, I'm interested in their whole team. It's just I'm interested if they can finally be good, which is concerning. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I hear you on most of these guys. I think Harris is another one of these dudes who is better in real life than he is in fantasy, but... He was super efficient last year, like you said, 42% from three and and 50% from the field on a decent amount of of attempts. And he played like a billion minutes a game last year. So (laughs) I think they're a little deeper this season if everybody's healthy. But that was the thing was they were all hurt at different points last year, including Gary Harris. He only played 57 games. So it's possible that it's a similar situation this year and, and... there are a lot of intriguing guys, you know, like Will Barton, even if he's going to get minutes, he's shown a huge DFS ceiling. So, yeah, uh, but 100 percent Jamal Murray is my X factor for this team. Yep. I love Jamal Murray. I want Jamal Murray to be a thing so bad. And I think that on this team, when you don't need a traditional point guard, per se, with with the passing ability of Jokic and Millsap, I don't see how he doesn't become you know, the primary guy at point guard, unless he's so bad on defense that he's just giving back every single bucket that he gets. Because I think as far as shooting and offensive ceiling, this guy's one of the best guys in the league, not even just one of the best guys on the Nuggets. Yeah, he reminds me a lot of Jamal Crawford right now, where it's like when he's hot, it's like, wow, he's not going to miss the rest of the game, but he still can't stop anybody. And that, like... He's so exciting and fun, and he totally has like the dribbling and creation skills to be a really elite player someday. Like, I remember in the Kyrie Irving trade saga, and it was like they're looking for Tatum and Josh Jackson and someone else and Jamal Murray. Right. Everyone else was like Jamal Murray, and I was like, yeah, good for the Cavs. Like, way to go! Way right. to and nail the Nuggets that. apparently didn't want to give up Jamal Murray. Yeah, I wouldn't have either. He's awesome. The fact that they were able to get him in like the sixth or seventh pick, I can't remember, is awesome for them. I like Jamal Murray too. My X Factor, man, I don't know. It's going to probably be the logjam at backup four. They got to figure that out. They got a lot of backup fours. Yes, they do. Because we didn't even mention um, Hernan Gomez, who was kind of like a mini breakout player last year. Like 1 to 15, this might be one of the deepest teams in the league. The Jazz, this team in Miami are the three probably deepest teams in the league. So, hey, yeah. well, Golden State, but like they're exhumed from every conversation. Ever. Right. So, is this a playoff team for you? Uh, my hot take was coming up, but uh, hammer the over. Uh, Denver is, I think, very clearly in a tier of their own at number five in the West. Really? 
Is that pretty hot? Yeah. So, like you just said, Gary Harris played 52 games last year. Jokic wasn't starting for 20-odd games. Like, half their team got injured. Jameer Nelson started over 40 games, I think, for them last year. And they still went 40 and 42. Like, now they just added Paul Millsap, who's probably like a six-win player. So, add a couple wins for their injuries and add Paul Millsap. Yeah, they're going to be damn good. Yeah. The Jameer Nelson thing was weird because, like, that was by choice that they played him all those Yeah, minutes. no, you they know? were like, hey, he'll help. <laughs> yeah, they were like, Moutier sucks, and as and I know you said you're high on him. Unless the guy figures out how to shoot the ball, I don't know if you can play him, but like they they voluntarily gave Jameer Nelson so many minutes last year. So for me, it's all about the defense. Like if this team defends, they're going to be awesome because we know they can score. Yeah, it, like, they're gonna, like they could be the second best offense in the league. Yeah, totally. Uh, it's not even like it's, it's not even like weird. Like they, they were second. I know this is like the most popular stat ever on the internet, but they were second from the time they put Jokic in the starting lineup at the end of the year, which that does, stat does never uh counts for the fact that that was right about when Gary Harris came back from injury. But when those two were in the starting lineup together from then for the rest of the season, they were the second best offense in the league behind Golden State. Like it's not ridiculous to think that at all. And their defense should just default go up from adding a great defender in Paul Millsap right. and now starting Wilson Chandler instead of Gallinari. So I, I think they're going to be awesome. All right. Sounds good. Uh, my my bold prediction is Jamal Murray averages 15 a game this year. Love it. Love it. So and that might be a touch high, but I think for sure he takes a big step in his second season. I hope so, man. He's awesome. All right. That's going to do it for this NBA edition of On the Daily. For Tony, who you can find on Twitter at TEastNBA, I'm Matt LaMarca, at Matt LaMarca. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you for listening to On The Daily, the Road of His Daily fantasy sports podcast powered by Road of His Radio. And special thanks to Randy E. Aguabo for the introduction. Please review the podcast on iTunes under the established Road of His Radio feed. Contact us via email on the daily DFS at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at on the daily DFS. Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, it's pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.